You're about to hear a message that was preached at Calvary Fellowship in Miramar, Florida. At Calvary, we exist to help people take their next step with God. And we pray that this message helps you do just that. How's everybody doing? Yes, give yourselves a round of applause. It is great to be here with you today. I'm very thankful to be here in front of you, and I'm thankful that you are here. And for everyone watching at home online, we are thankful that you're with us today as well. And and listen, I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving looked very different for a lot of us um, this year. I know it did uh, for me. Uh, We went to my mother-in-law's house uh, this year, and it was a smaller group of us. I actually brought a picture um, so you guys can see. Uh, for those of you that don't know, don't know me, I'm, I'm Alex. I'm the Connections Pastor here. Uh, maybe you're used to seeing Pastor Bob up here, but um, I'm standing him for, in, uh, for him today. But I wanted to show you a picture of my family because I'll be making reference to a few of them throughout <laughs> this morning. That way you can put a face uh, to the name. Uh, that's my wife, Andrea. And uh, next to her is my daughter, Emily. She's our oldest. Uh, she's 18. My oldest son, Alejandro, who's 16. Uh, Danny, who's 10. And Santiago, who is eight. So that's us on Thanksgiving at my mother-in-law's house. And normally, we're a, we've got a really big family, a big extended family. Um, so it was just a smaller group of us um, meeting because, hey, it's 2020 and everything looks uh, a little different. Um, actually, did anyone, um, and you don't have to uh, raise your hand, feel free to <laughs> if you want to, but did anyone get tested for, uh, for COVID uh, just to be able to go visit Family or, or friends? Yeah, I see some people nodding. My, my dad had to do that. My, my older brother um, was having Thanksgiving at, at his house, and he's got um, uh, two young grandkids, my dad's great-grandkids. Two of them were actually born uh, this summer, so in order for him to, to go and spend time with them, you know, he, he got tested and, and kind of quarantined to make sure that that was uh, okay. And actually, um, I was talking to a friend of mine this week as well. One of the guys, he comes to our church. He's in a growth group with me here at, at Calvary, and he was telling me that, uh, for Thanksgiving, they were going to visit, you know, the grandparents, and but they didn't want everyone going to the house at the same time, so they had set up kind of like a schedule for people to go at certain hours, so him and his family were going to go between 2 and 4, which is a little earlier in the day, but, you know, it freed up his afternoon, so that's, uh, so that's good. And how about Zoom's giving? Have you guys heard? Heard this? Zoom's giving. Um, uh, people were having virtual uh, Thanksgiving. So yeah, a lot of changes this year, and with changes come challenges, right? And with challenges, uh, we, uh, we're faced with some concerns. And concerns, if we let them, become worry, right? Become worry and anxiety. Uh, because, because there is a difference, uh, a difference between concern, right? A, a reasonable and, and legitimate concern, a problem or a situation uh, in your life that you've got you've to fix, you've got to figure out, you've got to establish a plan, to resolve, there's a difference between that and worry and anxiety. And see if I can explain it to you guys like this. Um, you know, living here in South Florida, we are no stranger uh, to bugs, insects, creepy crawlies. In our home, it's no different, right? Ants, spiders, lizards, roaches, you name it, especially when it rains, we're guaranteed to get a visit. And um, now, what you have to understand is that uh, my wife, Andrea, is unreasonably terrified of roaches. doesn't matter how big or small, whether they're on the floor, on the wall, or God forbid, on the ceiling. Um, If they're inside or outside, it doesn't matter. When she sees one, everything stops, and only one thing matters, ending that roach's life. Case in point, um, not too long ago, 
we're getting ready for bed. It's a typical weeknight uh, in the Fernandez home. You know, we, we both work, you know, so we get home from work. It's, it's dinner. It's homework. It's getting everyone ready. So, you know, by the time it's, it's bedtime, we are beat. I'm ready to go. I clock out. We're settled in. It's lights out. Good night. And then it happens. And I don't know if you're like this. My wife is like this. She has this kind of like sixth sense about things. You know, she sees things before they happen. She hears things before they make a noise. She sentences, she just has this way of sensing things. So I'm asleep and, psst, baby, baby, I think I, I, I hear something. I think I see something, right? And I wake up, I'm like, what, what, downstairs? She's like, no, 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 in the room. I'm like, how do you see something in the room? It's pitch black, right? It's like, baby, I, I, there's something in the room. There's something in the room. So all right, so I go, I clock back in. I guess I'm working overtime. We turn on the lights, and of course, there it is on the wall. The one thing that can derail a peaceful night's rest, there's a roach uh, on, on the wall. Now, concern quickly escalates, and at that moment, in our room, we hit DEFCON 1. We are sealing all the exits. We are closing the closet door, closing the bathroom door, making sure there's nowhere for that roach uh, to go, and... Um, I, I quickly reach for my weapon of choice. Now, it's important to understand um, in, a, in a situation like this, uh, your, your, the weapon that you choose, okay? You want something that is, has some flex to it, but not too much, and it's got to be completely flat on the bottom. No curve, no nooks and crannies. It's got to be completely flat. That is the most effective weapon to me. Maybe you're different. So I grab it, right, and I approach quietly, gracefully, but ready for, uh, ready to step in with some, uh, some aggression. And as I approach the, uh, the enemy, for lack of a better term, um, I hear the one thing you really don't want to hear in a situation like that. So my wife's saying, baby, be careful. It might fly. And that's all she had to say, right? As if it understood her every word, that thing flies off the wall in the only direction fate would allow right towards my face. <laughs> Right, so all of a sudden, like my, all, you know, all the grace and stealth, and you know, my Rambo-like moves. Now I'm just like screaming like a girl. And just, no offense to girls. I'm sorry. I apologize. A, a girlish uh, screams. One's that one that you probably um, wouldn't imagine coming out. But I'm, I'm flailing. I'm like, where did it go? Where did it go? I don't see it. I don't see it. So then we finally gather ourselves and listen. The key to a successful roach elimination is strike first, strike hard. Cobra Kai. Children of the '80s. Yes? All right. I did neither. I hesitated. And now the roach on the wall is somewhere else in the room, and no one was going to bed or leaving that room until that problem was found and taken care of. So there we were, held captive by a roach. We couldn't see it, couldn't find it, but it told us that we couldn't sleep, couldn't do anything until it was dealt with. And for us, that night, it was a roach. Maybe for you, there's something else. That's keeping you up, right? Maybe there's something else that's telling you when you can sleep and, and it's, it's dictating when you can wake up, telling you what you can do and how to do it, telling you what to say and how to say, um, to, to get mad, to get angry, uh, keeping you bitter. Maybe it's your financial situation. Work has slowed down or even worse. You got bills to pay. It's the holidays and you have no idea what tomorrow is going to look like and you're worried and you're worried about, man, am I going to have enough? Are we going to have enough and, and and if others are counting and looking uh, to you you know you're worried am i going to be able to provide you know what what they need 
or what they expect, or maybe it's your health, right? The health of someone that you care about and they're sick and you can't go visit them or, you know, you're not feeling too well and you start thinking the worst. And and for some of us, um, you know, what we've been going through has affected our relationships. So we begin lashing out, right? And we begin blaming and we isolate ourselves and we start going down rabbit holes that we really don't need to be going down. So it feels like worry and anxiety is more a part of our daily lives now than ever before. You know, I, I read recently that 62% of us feel more anxious now than we did at this time last year. And when someone tells us not to worry, they might as well be telling us don't breathe. Uh, it seems that, that difficult. Worry takes control, not of the situation, but of us. Then, And when we lose that control, we give into worry, and now... It's I can't sleep, I can't eat, I lose my temper, and on and on. It controls our thoughts, our emotions, it controls our actions. So what is there to do? In the Gospel of Matthew, uh, we find Jesus' sermon on the mount. And this is uh, the most famous sermon ever given by anyone ever. It's a sermon to end all sermons. And it covers three chapters in Matthew and talks about a bunch of different topics, including this one, worry. So we're going to see what Jesus has to say, and uh, we're going to see Jesus actually repeat something three times. He's going to say, do not worry, but he's going to go a little bit more than that. He's going to give us a little bit more than, than that. So before, but before we get into what Jesus said, um, you know, before he starts talking about worry, he begins with a word, right? The statement begins with therefore, and I don't know about you, but I usually don't start uh, a train of thought or, or, or a conversation with therefore. Therefore usually comes after something, right? You make a statement, uh, you, you explain something, and you want whoever it is that you're talking to to do something or understand something based off that prior information. For example, man, it's been a, a really, you know, it's been a long day. I'm beat, you know, therefore I'm not going to be able to make it uh, to dinner tonight. Or, or, hey, I'm sorry, you know, my, my car won't start or traffic is really bad, you know, therefore I'm going to be late uh, to work, right? So you guys get it. So when Jesus says, therefore, we need to take a step back. Why is he about to say what he's going to say? So we're going to start just before the therefore so we know what Jesus is talking about. So we're starting in Matthew chapter 6, and we're in verse 24. It's in your outlines. It's on the screen behind me. Um, So verse 24 says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and God. Money And this is the groundwork for everything that's about to follow. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Can't serve two masters. A master controls you. A master controls your priorities. You can't serve God and money. You can't serve God and wealth. You can't serve God and success. You can't serve God and pleasure. You can't serve God and yourself. You name it, whatever it is that you put up against God for your attention, for your devotion, and for your praise, you can't serve both. You just can't do it. God is not going to allow it. He will not accept second place in your life. And, and, and it's interesting that the, the Greek word that's used for that, I mean, in, um, when we read, we read it as anxiety or, or worry. But the, in the original Greek, um, uh, the word that's used means to be divided or in pieces. And I put that in your outline because I think it's important for us as we set up what we're going to talk about. Uh, this idea that anxiety we read it as anxiety. What, what, what the Bible really means is, is to be divided or in pieces, torn in two. Because this is exactly what anxiety and worry does. It tears us apart. It divides us. 
You've got two masters going in two completely different uh, directions. And wor- when worry becomes our master, it pushes God out. And we become slaves to worry. So with that understanding, now that we've got an idea of what comes before the therefore, let's look at that first therefore. And it starts in, in verse 25 of Matthew 6. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So with this first therefore, Jesus is saying, do not worry. God provides for his children. Right? God provides for his children. One of the hardest lessons that my wife and I have, ha, um, uh, have had to learn over the years is that our kids, they need us less and less as they uh, grow up. And I'll give you a perfect example from just a, a couple of days ago. I'll take you back to Thanksgiving at our mother-in-law's house. And, you know, my oldest son, uh, Alejandro, he, he's 16. Um, um, we call him Papo. So sometimes I, I, I forget his name. I just call him Papo. So if I say Papo, you know who I'm talking about. Um, but I hear him kind of making plans for the next day, and, he, and he's telling his mom um, that he wants to go to the mall with his friend on Friday, on Black Friday, um, to go Black Friday shopping. Um, basically, it's a six-year-old. He wants to hang out at the mall with his buddy when, you know, when things are happening. And, and I hear, she's like, she's like, no, you're not going to the mall on, on, on Black Friday. Do you know how dangerous it is? Which, of course, immediately he's like, dangerous? What are you talking about? dangerous what do you mean dangerous like yes Alejandro people get robbed people get mugged you're not going to the mall that's it you're not going so you know he's like all right so I see her kind of storm off and listen honestly if if my wife feels that strongly about something I'm not gonna get involved I'm not gonna intervene at least not in the moment so after you know mom shoots him down he's sitting in the corner kind of you know a little down I go over and I'm like papo like you know what happened you know talk to me what happened and he explains, like, mom thinks that we're going to get robbed or beat up. But I told her that my friend and I, like, we can handle ourselves. Like, we'll be okay. And then I realized, you know, this is an opportunity for a life lesson, right? A teaching moment. Because, you know, he thinks it's about him getting beat up. And I'm like, I'm like look, son, I get it. You know, you know, mom may have seemed just a little, you know, over the top. But what you have to understand is that you, 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 you're her oldest son, right? And she's probably just having a hard time adjusting to you growing up so he's you know he thinks about it he's like yeah yeah, I can see that you know and I'm like all right you know he understands his mom you know he doesn't feel so bad life lesson you know parenting moment check off for me so now fast forward to Friday afternoon and my wife wants to decorate the Christmas tree now the tree has been in our house since Wednesday it is bare there's nothing on it because the tree can't be decorated unless everyone is in the house doing it together it's a family tradition apparently so she wants everyone to do together. So during the day, um, you know, Papa's still trying to make plans for, you know, for Friday. So early in the day, he's like, hey, can you drop me off at my friend's house? Um, and then we'll figure out what we're going to do. So my wife uh, takes him to his friend's house. 
And when she gets back, she comes in, drops the keys, and she's like, do you know what your son just said to me? I'm like, no, I don't. Why don't you tell me what my son just said to you? She's like, I'm dropping him off, and I'm asking him, like, what time are you planning to be home? Because, you know, we're planning on decorating the Christmas tree, and I want him to be there. And at first, he gives me this face, like, seriously, like, you want me to be there for that? So I was just like, of course. It's a family tradition, Alejandro. You have to be there for that. You're not even going to be here in 10 years. To which his response was, where am I going to be in 10 years? She's like, I don't know, somewhere. And then he stops me. Your son stops me, interrupts me, puts his hand on my shoulder and says, Mom, I think I understand uh, what's, what's, what's happening here. I think you're just having a hard time adjusting to me growing up. Right? Okay. I didn't tell her. I told him that. I just left that one on him. But, but this is the truth, right? I mean, our, our kids grow up, and no matter how much Andre and I as parents want to be there to meet every single need, they grow up. They become more self-sufficient and just don't need us as much. And sometimes I think that's how we feel uh, when it comes to our Heavenly Father, right? We feel grown up and mature enough to do it all on our own. It's okay, God. I got this. You know, you may have a hard time adjusting to me growing up, but I'm good, right? And we replace him as our master in our lives. And that's where we run into trouble. And that's where we begin to confuse wants for needs. That is when we begin to struggle with contentment and we begin to doubt God's promise to provide. See, God goes by many names and titles in the Bible, but in these verses, he's father. And when you trust your father to always provide for your needs, right? The cut of steak doesn't matter because uh, there's food in your belly and the name on the tag doesn't matter because there's clothes on your back and, and the size of the house, it doesn't matter either because there's a roof over your head. The OU of little faith. That's the last statement um, in these verses. And friends, it's, it's time for a gut check for all of us. See, our level of worry is an indicator of our faith. It's a gauge, right? Faith goes up. And worry goes down. But when faith goes down, guess what? Worry goes up. In Philippians chapter 4, uh, verse 19, it says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. Believe that. Trust him and do not worry. God provides for his children. So now let's take a look at the second therefore. Okay, and that begins in, in verse 31 of Matthew 6. Therefore... Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So in this, therefore, Jesus is saying, do not worry, put God first. Do not worry, put God first. When we read, for after all these things the Gentiles seek. When Jesus refers to Gentiles, he's talking about um, pagans, those that worshipped um, false gods and, and idols during that time. Essentially, he's referring to, to, to unbelievers, to non-believers. And, and when you worry as a believer, you become as the unbeliever, right? At, at work, your coworkers know that you're a Christian. I mean, you know, you invite them to church. Whenever there's a special event, you tell them to come by church. But then something goes wrong, Right? There's a problem, you know, uh, you, you lose a client, you miss a deadline, you know, a, a project goes, you know, you know, goes awry and, and, and you start worrying just as much as they do and you're freaking out just as much as they're freaking out. And it's like, you know, what are they to think? Like, what's the difference between you and me? What do you got that I need? And then there's no, there's no advantage to your relationship with God because you worry just like the unbeliever. 
And look, I, I, I don't have, uh, you know, uh, a funny story to kind of help soften <laughs> this hard truth. You know, this one hit me hard, hit me like a ton of bricks, just as hard as it's hitting some of you right now. But I do have good news. I do have good news. If you're here today, a believer in Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I have good news. There is a way out of this cycle of letting worry take control of every concern. And if you're, if you're not a believer, maybe someone brought you here today, maybe someone dragged you here today, and maybe you're, I don't know, you're keeping your options open, right? Um, there's good news for you as well if you're willing to accept and receive it. And we see that in verse 33 where it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Step one, seek first. There's, there's an order to this. There's two types of people in this world, right? Those that follow instructions and those that don't. I don't know if uh, any of you have ever tried to, 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 to build furniture from, like, say, I don't know, Ikea, right? I am a follow instructions type of guy. Um, I mean, I'll sit down for hours as long as every single instruction is, is, is adhered to. And I've been around people that are, that are the opposite. And they're just like, oh, no, I know how this works. And usually what happens when you do things out of order, you know, it, it may kind of look like it was supposed to, but you end up with all these extra parts and it really doesn't function the way it's supposed to, right? It's just, that's just the truth. This is the same way. There, there is a process. There are steps, right? Step one is seek first. You see, God's not going to force his way to the front of whatever line we set up. God is the master. He sets the standard. It's his way not mine. It's his way, not yours. I don't seek my way, my wife's way, my boss's way. I don't seek society or culture's way or, or popular opinions way. God's way and his righteousness, his standard, his will, his divine rule and way. You do that and God meets you there. And that takes us to the final, therefore, uh, in this passage, and it's verse 34. It's just one verse. It says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And this last, therefore, Jesus is saying to us, do not worry, live for today. Do not worry, live for today. You know, as I was preparing for today, I came across um, this statement, this quote. It says, most of us are being crucified between two thieves. Yesterday and tomorrow. See, we, we got the regrets of tomorrow, and then we've got the, the uncertainty and the fear, um, I'm sorry, the regrets of yesterday, the uncertainty and the fear of tomorrow, and we're piling all that on top of the troubles of today. But, tomorrow, but today will always be the tomorrow you worried about yesterday. You get that? Today will always be the tomorrow you worried about yesterday. And guess what? Just wait. Another one's coming around. Okay. Lamentations 3, 22 to 23 says, Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. God's mercies are new every day. He's not going to give you tomorrow's mercies today. We take one day at a time. When we worry about tomorrow, we've gone beyond what God has promised. And, and don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about you know, the idea of, 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 of saving and investing and preparing for the future. The Bible has a ton to say about that, about, you know, being wise and prudent about the future. We are talking about worry. See, according to studies, and, and these are some stats that we've shared here uh, before, um, but according to studies, 40% of our worries 
never happen. 30% of our worries concern the past. So we're 70% in. And it's stuff that's never going to happen or stuff that's already happened and we can't do anything about. 12% of our worries are needless worries about our health, stuff that's never going to happen to us. 10% of our worries are insignificant or petty concerns. And then the last 8%, it says 8% of our worries are really legitimate concerns. Well, with all due respect to whoever put the study together, Jesus already told us three times, do not worry. So that 8%, yeah, it's stuff we got to deal with. It's stuff we got to figure out. It's stuff we, got, we have to work through. But even that 8%, we cannot allow to grow from concern to worry. John 16, says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. See, I can think of so many times I allowed my worry to become my master. About 11 years ago, um, I was laid off. And it's the first time I ever lost uh, a job, and it was a job from a place that honestly I thought I was going to retire from. Um, so I get laid off, and um, you know, soon after, my wife and I find out that you know we're pregnant with our third child. And listen, this was a legitimate concern, a real issue that I had uh, to deal with. But I allowed this concern to take control. So I looked beyond his kingdom, and it wasn't enough. My position, my status. The limits on being able to get what I wanted, I grew bitter. I was miserable. And trust me when I tell you that I made everyone around me uh, miserable as well. And it was almost two years before I finally had my wake-up call. And I finally had a moment where I had to step back and realize, man, you know, despite all this, like, my, my Heavenly Father was faithful. Like, He provided a job. Like, my family never went without. They always had food in their belly and clothes on their back and a roof over their head, and I had to ask myself, what was I worried about? In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 7, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, if, if I wanted to see change, I needed a change of heart, right? I needed a, a realignment. I needed a, a change of perspective. Worry was like a poison that was killing my joy and robbing my peace. And I needed something that would stop this poisoning, this poison and, and, and the damage that it was doing. And this verse had the answer. This verse had the answer. Prayer and thanksgiving is the antidote to worry. And if you leave here with just one thing, remembering just one thing, remember this. Prayer and thanksgiving is the antidote to worry. And why, why antidote? Why do I use that word? Because, again, worry is a poison. A poison spreads throughout your body, breaking down, destroying, killing you slowly as it spreads. And to stop a poison and reverse its effects, you need an antidote. Prayer and thanksgiving is the antidote to worry. Prayer and thanksgiving in every situation allows us to seek God's kingdom and his righteousness first. Praying and thanksgiving turns, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to make it. It turns that into, God, thank you, because you supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. And we have a promise. There is a promise attached to prayer and thanksgiving. The peace of God will guard our hearts and minds. Through prayer and thanksgiving, worry cannot enter. It has no place. So no matter the situation or circumstance, the peace of God 
now stands guard, right? Protecting us, shielding our hearts, shielding our minds, our thoughts, our feelings from worry. So whenever, whenever worry rears its ugly head and begins to tempt you, because that's what it is. It's a sin that is tempting you. That is your invitation. God is saying we need to have a conversation right now. And when we come to him with thanksgiving, the God of peace will meet us in that space and in that place. Friends, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that that your peace is a promise to us. So we pray right now, Lord, that we can give you your rightful place, Lord. That for all of us here, Lord, that um, that struggle with, with worry and, and allow it to, to control us, Lord, and to dictate our lives, Lord God, that we would be able to, um, to cast that care, cast those burdens uh, upon you, Lord. Lord, you wait for us to place that burden upon you, Lord, that we would not have to carry it. It's a burden that Christ carried for us on the cross, Lord. Lord, that we can believe that and trust you, trust you to provide, trust you to know what's best, trust you to take care of tomorrow, Lord God. So help us, Lord, to come to you in prayer, to come to you in thanksgiving in every circumstance, knowing, Lord God, that your peace will protect us and we can experience finally, Lord God, that that joy that escapes this world, Lord, but that you offer so freely. So help us, Lord. We thank you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If today you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's one of the best decisions you've ever made. And we as a church want to help you with your next steps. You see, we have a free gift we'd like to give you. And in order for you to receive that gift, all you have to do is visit mycalvary.com forward slash begin. Don't forget to tune in next week for our next podcast. God bless you.